0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house. Yes, praise the Lord. It's great to, uh, it's great to celebrate uh, fathers and take heart, if you're a dad, to what you heard in the Uh, The open today in that video that we should, as fathers, uh, be present. We should encourage. uh, We should love when it's not easy. And uh, what Pastor Julie reiterated, put God first and repent when you need to. Ask for forgiveness. Some great, great advice. On uh, days of uh, celebration, speaking of those, uh, I was reminded of... Another celebration. And I tie it in with tomorrow. Tomorrow we are going to be having the funeral service for Catherine Sellers. I was talking with Catherine's family this week and I asked, tell me her spiritual story. How did she come to the Lord? Was she raised a Christian? And they said the, the day that really marked her spiritual journey was when she was 12 years old. And a pastor came to her home, made a house call. She had pneumonia. And that pastor prayed over her, and she was healed. And that pastor's name was M.D. Beal, the founding pastor of our church. And I asked, well, how, how, how old, remind me, Catherine was 12. Well, when I do the math, she was born in 1922, that puts it in a 1934. Well, that's the year the church started. So Catherine has been around since, and part of Bethesda since the church started. And we clicked 87 years this past week. So happy anniversary, Bethesda, 87 years. But, and we have some that, that can uh, speak to the, the founding moments, the beginnings, uh, which are amazing. And it's it's good to be reminded of things like that. And uh, it also reminded me, as pastors, sometimes we need to make those house calls because, wow, somebody's life was really changed. Uh, we had some news this week. I'm sure you've all heard it. On Tuesday at 12.01 a.m., the pandemic is over. And that's been announced, and so... Uh, everything's lifted all the restrictions everything's uh, taken off so uh, next week we'll just plan to be here in the house we won't have any of these tape on the seats or anything but uh, <laughs> uh, it's been it's been strange hasn't it? it's just been what a what, what a 16 months 18 months whatever it's been and I will just ask that you please bear with us as we move into this time that I'll call the post-pandemic. Please, uh, show us your grace uh, as we still continue to have to make decisions. You know, things have operated differently here at the church, and uh, are we going to just turn a switch and be back to exactly the way things were back in uh, February of 2020? No. No. We're going to move uh, forward. We're going to make decisions. I know some of you, if, you're, if you still choose to wear a mask, that's totally fine. That's okay. We're not going to uh, be putting down anyone for uh, your personal health decisions. And uh, just, again, please bear with us as we make decisions about starting our uh, ministries, bringing things back. I ask your grace. Uh, As we look toward that, you know that if you listened back when this started, I I heard everyone say, it's the new normal. And I said, please don't call it the new normal. Let's call it the temporary abnormal. Now, it was a lot longer temporary than I anticipated. And I'll say that many of my predictions, they they were wrong. They were wrong. But in my predicting, I never said, thus saith the Lord. So they were just my personal opinions and this did go a little bit longer than i had anticipated yet it still was temporary in the grand scheme of things it was temporary and i'm truly looking forward to 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 life with that behind us but on that note of predictions and saying things like thus saith the lord it really just leads into what i want to speak to you about this morning and That's who do we hear from? Who are you hearing from? Who do you listen to? There's a biblical word for one who brings the word of God to his people. Those we would say we listen to. And that word is prophet. That's that's a word that describes people who bring the word of God. So one of my roles is that of prophet. Prophet. And I'll say not necessarily in the sense of future teller or predictor, but prophet in the sense of one who speaks the word of God and speaks for God. And I've said this before. I talked about it in the early part of the year back in January. I want to give you an example, though, biblical example of this idea of prophet speaking for God. It's from Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter seven, verses one and two. They say this, it's the Lord speaking and it says, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you, Moses, like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of this country. So the Lord used a picture there. The Lord used an image. Moses was like God to Pharaoh. He was as a god to the Pharaoh of Egypt, and Aaron was going to be Moses' spokesperson, sort of an interpreter of a kind to explain to Pharaoh the message of Moses, message of God, the God to Moses. And the message was let my people go out of this country. So Moses and Aaron give us this this image, this picture of God and a prophet. And then to define that definition just a little bit more, and I've stated this in the past, a prophet is one who speaks for God, conveying his word and his will to a particular group of people at a particular time and place, And that word of the Lord is attested to, it's confirmed, it's verified, it's legitimized by the written word of scripture. We always have to have scriptural backing. So prophet in that sense, it's part of the pastoral ministry. I bring the word of God, but it can't contradict his written word. And his word must legitimize what i would bring to you and what i would say to you in the old testament times the written word of god was developing but when it existed even the prophets considered it and they looked back to it and i'll give you an example in daniel chapter 9 verse 2 it reads this way i daniel understood from the scriptures what scriptures I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet. Okay, so Daniel was understanding from Jeremiah. And what was he understanding? That the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So Daniel consulted the word of God, the word that was given to Jeremiah. He considered it scripture. Daniel wasn't seeking a new revelation. He had the word. He had the scriptures. And then he interpreted them. And if you read further in Daniel chapter 9, he began to pray on them. Lord, help me understand more. Please, let's, uh, uh, Lord, you said 70 years, and he repented for the nation, and he wanted to see Jerusalem restored, and God brought it about. So Jeremiah foretold the future in his prophecy. Daniel interpreted the word. And he was a prophet in that sense that he interpreted what another prophet had said, and it became scripture. And Daniel, we know, was also a prophet who also foretold the future. So there's a broader sense of this word prophet, one who brings the word, one who may be giving some predictive word or something that God is saying about the future. So part of it falls into my role as a pastor, one who brings the word, interprets the word of God, We have examples, God spoke multiple times to the prophet Ezekiel, and he said, speak my word. Again, I I use this early in January. Ezekiel said, speak my word, whether the people listen or fail to listen. So I bring the word, and you have a choice. You have a choice to hear the word, to listen, or not to, to fail to listen. As a pastor, prophet, I am to be true, I'm to bring the full, complete, unvarnished word of God. Can't skip some parts because I don't like them. And you can't choose to listen to what you want and disregard and forget what you don't like. None of us can do that. None of us can do that in our roles here. None of us can pick and choose from God's word. "Ah, I like that and I'll bring that but not that and I won't listen to that. No, but unfortunately, many Many want more than what's in the word of God. They, they look to the word of God and say, ah, it's antiquated. Boy, that's an old book. It's dry. It's dusty. It's out of date. It's thousands of years old. So we need a modern day word, right? We need something new and vibrant and exciting. And, and it's revelatory. It's a new revelation. And there are countless countless voices out there that are doing this, bringing new words and, uh, and saying new things, and they call themselves prophets. But in listening to such prophets, remember, remember the word of God. Remember the word of God and its true prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Zechariah, all of those prophets warned against false voices, against false prophets, as did the greatest prophet of all, Jesus. Jesus, as he brought to a close the Sermon on the Mount that we've been talking about for a good number of months, he had some pretty direct words for his audience. He, he begins that closing with things like judge righteously and uh, don't give the sacred things to the dogs and the pigs, some pretty hard words. Do unto others as you'd have them do to you. Why? Because it's the sum of the law. This is huge. It's the sum of the law and the prophets. Enter the narrow gate that leads to life. Don't take the wide gate that leads to destruction and death. And then he says this, and this leads to our life application today. Jesus said this. It's Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20. He said, watch out. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. So Jesus lays out a warning here. It's a warning that's been repeated many times in the past. Many times by those who came before him. They warned against this. Don't listen to these false prophets. Watch out for them. They look like sheep. It's a facade. It's a mask. Underneath They're like ferocious wolves, destructive. It's a picture of destruction. So heed the warning. Watch out for false prophets. False prophets were in the generations before Jesus. All the generations before Jesus. They were in the generation of Jesus. And they are prominent in the generations that followed. They're prominent in this generation. This past year, I was inundated. With with messages, suggestions, links to this prophet or that prophet. Listen to this one. Oh, listen to what they say. They've got it. Uh, listen to that one. Oh, they've got the word. They've got a new revelation. I, I've received personal prophecies. Someone that I have never met lives across the country. Sent me a detailed prophetic message that... The claim was God sent it to this person in a dream and it was directed to me, my name. And I I read it, I read it, I took the time to read it entirely. And at the end it said, this is what God says. I was struggling, me personally, I've been struggling with what was given in this prophetic word and then I've been praying for confirmation. Well, I gotta tell you, that's just not the case. I hadn't been struggling with what was in this word and I hadn't been seeking confirmation. So I need to consider that when I hear that voice. According to many of the other prophets and the words that were sent my way uh, that were predictive in their nature, things should be different right now if those prophecies came to be. COVID would have ended back in April of last year. A different person would be sitting in the Oval Office. California would be red instead of blue. God would have raised up a new church. And I always, you know, I've been living my life that the church that Jesus started is the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, so I don't know about a new church being raised up. So These words, and they went on and on, and they're just not all correct. They're all wrong. Well, I came across an article by one popular prophet, a person that uh, hails themselves as a prophet. Others say, yes, this is an authoritative uh, prophet. And this article was attempting to explain when a prophet gets it wrong. So the author made this assertion. There are false prophets, and then there are well-meaning, sincere prophets that just make mistakes. So here's one line of the explanation uh, from the article. A prophet is designated false mostly because of poor character and lack of relationship with God. It's not because they said a wrong prophetic word. No prophet gets it right 100% of the time. What's important, though, is this pro- in this process is humility and the ability to say, I'm sorry. So what do I take away from this? If you have good moral character, you claim to be a prophet, but you get it wrong, well, you're not a false prophet. You just made a mistake. You need to uh, apologize. Say you're sorry. And then just keep on trying. Keep on trying. God, you know, God will get you right. You'll, you'll eventually get it. this is what jesus said watch out for false prophets they come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves now how might we apply that to these things and maybe to an article like this that that is written by a a, a prophet jesus said by your by, by their fruit you'll recognize them so how can we apply it we look for fruit he said no grapes from thorn bushes, no figs from thistles. Every good tree bears good fruit. Bad trees, bad fruit. Good trees don't bring bad fruit. Bad trees don't bring good fruit. Jesus was reiterating this. Then he said, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown in the fire. So buy your fruit. Thus, by their fruit. You will recognize them. So how do we apply it? Check the fruit. Check the fruit. Look at the fruit of first biblical agreement. Does this line up with the word of God? Now, if a prophet is expounding on the word of God, as in the example that, that I read, so there's a, a prophet not saying anything necessarily predictive, but it was instruction. It was a teaching. Written by a, a very popular Prophet. And the explanation put forth was that failed prophecies well they can come from good well-meaning people and they can be prophets. They're not false prophets. They just get it wrong sometimes. They made a mistake. It's not because they said a wrong prophetic word. Direct quote. No prophet gets it right 100% of the time. Well this is what a prophet said. And again it's not, not predictive. It's Instructional, But does it agree with the word of God? If this is what this prophet is teaching us, well, should, should we pay heed? Should we listen? Are they interpreting the word of God rightly? Well, let's just investigate. We look at the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 13 says this. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or a wonder... And if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. One example, another in Deuteronomy 18, verses 20 to 22. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, the Lord's name, A prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. You are to say to yourselves. So we're being told, check it out. Say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? Ask a question. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be alarmed. In other versions of the Bible, it says, don't fear that prophet. So there are signs of a false prophet And scripture says they're these, a prophet who gets it right, but is trying to lure you or seduce you to another god. Don't listen to that prophet. They got it right, but they're taking you to a bad place. And number two, a prophet who gets it wrong. They say things that don't come to pass. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Now this gives us something to apply, doesn't it? To a statement like no prophet gets it right 100% of the time. God didn't say that about a prophet. It doesn't seem that God has this prophetic batting average that he puts out. Hey, if you get better than 350, you're doing all right. No, it doesn't say that. He said, if it doesn't come to pass that prophet has spoken presumptuously. That's the true prophet. The one, what they say, comes to pass. And then remember that in that passage from Deuteronomy there's something very very sobering. If what was prophesied doesn't come to pass, that prophet spoken presumptuously. And what was the penalty for presumption? A prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded is to be put to death. Now, that ought to rattle someone if they're going to say, I'm going to speak for God. I'm going to say, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, he offers patience, yes, and he offers the opportunity for repentance. But the penalty in the end, it still stands. Jesus said this about false prophets every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's the end. So it's a very serious thing to presume to speak for Almighty God. It ought to be taken very seriously to give a word to someone or to a group of people and add, thus saith the Lord, or this our God says, or God says, Very serious. In the New Testament, there are warnings about false prophets beyond what Jesus said. Peter warned of false prophets, as did John. Paul, he wrote to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said, let the prophets speak in the church. And others should judge their word to discern, evaluate what was said. He also wrote this to the church in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And the apostle John, who was the pastor of the church in Ephesus, he wrote this in his first letter. 1 John 4, verse 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into this world. Paul said test. John said test. They didn't say, hey, a prophet might make a mistake. Give him a break. Give him a break. Second chance him. No, that's not the word of God. I can conclude that the instruction I read from a hailed prophet, it just doesn't align with the word of God. Here's another example from that same article. A prophet is designated false, and I read this, mostly because of poor character and lack of relationship with God. Well, is that the mark of a a false prophet? They just have a bad relationship with God. Well, first, we already know it's not true because we've looked at the scripture, and that's not what designates a false prophet. What designates a false prophet is, one, they get it right, and they're trying to seduce you to other gods. Two, they get it wrong wrong And they say it came from the Lord God Almighty. There were prophets in the Old Testament that didn't have the best of character. You remember Jonah? He tried to run away from God. He didn't want to bring the word of God. God had to get his attention. Little cruise in the belly of a fish for three days. Well, that got his attention, convinced him, well, I better listen to God. He went and he gave God's word. And then he got angry with God. He got mad at God. And God didn't say, oh, Joni, you got a bad attitude. I'm gonna designate you a false prophet. No, well, that's not what happened. His word was delivered. It was the word of God. Another example about aligning a prophet's words with the, with the true word of God. There is a very popular another popular prophet i received many many recommendations listen to this voice listen to this voice so i did that i did that and i tried sincerely to apply what the apostle paul had written not to treat such prophecies with contempt i listened and i waited because these prophecies they were emphasized by says our god god says this and they were specific they were specific they had a specific conclusion they had specific dates they had specific times and the context was the election. And I'll just say the prophecies didn't come to pass. So the prophet put out an explanation sometime later about this unfulfillment. And part of the explanation said, well, prophecies for the mature Christian. And a mature Christian understands that the prophetic voice, well, it's conditional. Well, that just sort of adds insult to injury. To so say that God declared a specific, a time, a specific date for something to occur he he gave the time date and the stamp and the 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 day you know he stamped it, and yet somehow, somehow God was constrained. he could not fulfill his word because i i don't know we didn't have enough faith there wasn't enough people of faith there wasn't enough prayers, there just wasn't enough behind it. It's conditional on all these things you know, there's got to be the mature Christians praying for it. Well, when we go through the word of God, how about we look at some examples? Look at Abraham. God made Abraham a promise. Talk to him directly. Well, Abraham, it seems, didn't really, truly believe it 100% because he took matters in his own hand. He had a promise that he would get a child, but yet he did what his wife asked him to, to have a child with another woman. But God's word still came to pass. What Abraham did, it didn't constrain God. God didn't say, oh, well, I can't do it now because Abraham took matters into his own hands. There was another uh, example in 1 Kings 22, a prophet named Micaiah prophesied that King Ahab, King Ahab, you're gonna die. You go into battle against the Assyrians, you're gonna die. Well, in fact, King Ahab had 400 prophets that said otherwise. Go, king, you're going to be victorious. 400 to one. He had 400 saying, you go, king, you're going to be victorious. Israel's going to win. He's got one. Micaiah, saying, no, the word of the Lord is, king, you're going you're, you're to fail. You're going to lose your life. Well, Micaiah was considered a false prophet. I mean, seriously, 400 to one. Ahab threw him in prison. And then he took on the Assyrians, he took an arrow to the chest, and he died. Micaiah's word from the Lord, it wasn't conditional on the faith of the Israelites because they didn't believe it. They didn't pray about it, they didn't believe it, they threw him in prison, and the word of God to the true prophet came to pass. 400 were wrong, one was true. So When a prophet says that when they bring about a prophecy or an instruction or an explanation and it doesn't align with the word of God, when we see these examples, it's not conditional. God's word is God's word. Do we believe he's almighty? If if their word doesn't align with the word of God, then we should be very, very wary a listening to that voice. Another fruit, another fruit. The fruit of fulfillment. If a prophet gives a predictive word, has it come to pass? Okay, we've talked about it. Now, I realize in the Old Testament, prophets like Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, and many others, they made predictions way out into the future. Way out in the future. How, how would we even know if they were true prophets? Well, they also had some near-term, very close, almost immediate, Predictions and prophecies and words from God. Daniel interpreted a dream he didn't dream. It was someone else's. And he wasn't told what it was, yet God gave him the dream. So Daniel was able to interpret it. He he also, Daniel, was asked by another king about a hand that was writing on the wall. And Daniel said, oh, king, you're going to lose your kingdom tonight. Guess what? It came to pass. Daniel was a true prophet. Isaiah told King Ahaz that there was a shadow that should be getting larger because of the movement of the sun. He said, well, it'll get smaller for you, king. That's exactly what happened. He was a true prophet. Jeremiah predicted the fall of Jerusalem. He lived to see it. So these prophets were true prophets. What they said came to pass. In the New Testament, there was a prophet called Agabus. He predicted there'd be a famine. It came to pass. The people believed him. They started taking up collection as soon as he said the word. He was a known prophet. He told Paul, he he said, you go to Jerusalem, you're gonna be bound up. And that's what happened. Paul went to Jerusalem, he was arrested. He was a true prophet because a true prophet's words come to pass. The, The word of the prophet's not conditional on whether we believe it or not. Their word comes to pass. That's how they become known as a true prophet. There's not some, some batting average. It's not 500. It's not three. It, it, oh. No. You're true or you aren't. A final fruit, the fruit of authority. When you listen to a prophet, you might ask, whose authority is that prophet under? We live in an age where anyone with a web camera and an internet connection can be a prophet. And There's plenty of them out there. They've gained followings. Where's the authority? Who are they under? Who do they answer to? The apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 14. These are the opening lines. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. The apostle was contrasting spiritual gifts here. He wrote, Desire, especially prophecy, it's a great thing. And he stated its purpose to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort the church. Now, this gives us some ways to evaluate a prophet, to judge a prophecy. Does it edify, does it build up the church? Does it strengthen? Does it encourage, does it comfort? The church, small seed church. In the letter, Paul is referring to a specific church. The church in Corinth. That's their local church. The context throughout chapter 14 is the local church. And Paul used the Greek word, he used the Greek word ekklesia, or ecclesia. It means a gathering. It means a gathering or an assembly outside the home. So some people like to say ekklesia is this, it's, it's the universal church. It's the capital C church. So every time you see this Greek word, it's the capital C universal church. But there's context around it here in chapter 14. The context is the church in Corinth. Paul's writing to a specific church, a specific ecclesia. And the prophets in that church operate under its authority to build up the church, to edify the church. Paul says, hey, you know, let them bring a word, but hey, evaluate it. So if you're going to be listening to those who claim a prophetic ministry, you might ask, whose authority are they under? Or did they just get a webcam? Why would we receive the word of a prophet that isn't under our authority? And if they're not edifying and they're they're not building up, if they're not strengthening, encouraging, and comforting, if they're wrong, if what they say doesn't come to pass, How are we to deal with that? How do we discipline that if it's not under our authority? The prophetic ministry operates under the authority of the local church. And when it doesn't, it's out of order. The closing line of 1 Corinthians 14 is this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting manner An orderly way. It's not orderly to have 27 videos coming in and all these words. There's no oversight, there's no authority. So when it comes to this idea of listening to these other voices, to listening to, to prophets, check their fruit, please, check their fruit. Do they align with the word of God? Is there fulfillment? Whose authority are they under? And then please heed the words of the greatest prophet of all, Jesus. Heed his words. Beware, beware, watch out, watch out for those false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing. Make sure it isn't a mask. Inwardly, they're ferocious wolves. There's destruction that follows these these words that don't come to pass, the confusion that it brings to people. It, it, It can harm people. It can harm their faith when these things do not come to pass. When somebody has said, thus saith the Lord, or God says, or I heard from the Spirit of the Lord this, and it doesn't happen, Man, it can rock people's faith. It can rock their world. We have a local church for a reason. God ordered this. Now let's, let's yield to that. And, and I believe, I believe our spiritual formation, our spiritual maturity, it will be way, way better off. Way better off. Let's heed the words of our prophet Jesus. And on that note, let's just stand and pray and uh, and ask the Lord to seal this word in us. I received this word from a, 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 a someone who said to me, God says you're seeking confirmation on something. I, I wasn't. I had no idea what it was, what they were referring that I'd be seeking confirmation on. But let's seek confirmation on this. Let's seek just that God would seal this in you, that we would would heed these words and we would really consider when all these other voices are coming in, consider his divine, infallible word. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless your people. Lord, and I pray discernment and wisdom upon all. God, that you would anoint them with that by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would be people that yield to your word and your way. And God, your word says that things ought to be done properly and orderly, not with this chaos and confusion, a word from here, there, and everywhere. So Lord, I pray that for all of us, we would seek you in your word and we would seek you from those that you've placed in authority in your local church. God, I pray that and I ask it and I, I pray for yielding submissive spirits, Lord, and that you would, uh, that you would bring about spiritual maturity, Lord, to all and, and that you would bring about discernment and wisdom and understanding. God, we started this service saying we seek your face. We should seek your face. Seek your face. God, I pray that for everyone here. They would seek you through your word, your true written word, not by something someone on the internet said. God, I pray that. I ask it. I pray you'd bless it. Seal it unto all of us. In the name of the greatest prophet ever, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.